You're listening to the Harvest Time Podcast. We hope this message helps you know God in a real and powerful way. If you are in the Fort Smith area, we would love to see you in one of our services on Saturdays at 6 p.m. or Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see your faces or even just partial faces this morning. Uh, And thanks for joining us online. Is it that camera or this camera, guys? I've been going back and forth. It's that one. Okay, so I'm glad you're with us. Uh, Thanks for joining us online. I have a fresh word from the Lord, and I am excited to share it with you. If there's anything that we know, we need a word from the Lord. If there's anything that we know in this moment, at this very time, we need to know, Lord, what in the world is going on? You know, our new sermon series is called, uh, This Changes Everything, and we're learning to trust God today with our future. The last nine weeks have been the strangest nine weeks of all of our lives. It's been the weirdest It's been, for some people, the most wonderful because maybe you're the people that you don't like being around other people, so you've had a great time. And then there's been other people that it has been the darkest season of your life because you need people and you need that interaction. And I know that for some of us, this has been a very dark and terrible season for you. There's also been some wonderful creativity that has come out of all of this. There's been some flexibility, and we're all learning how to give each other a little more space and a little more grace. But it's also been a very difficult time. I know this, the last nine weeks have taught me that family and church are essential. I need you. We need one another. If, if, you're, if you're lonely, it's possibly because maybe you're all alone and you don't have any family here. And so this is necessary in the kingdom of God that we would gather together. And so I know this, that that church is essential. God better be our priority, and family is very, very important. These last nine weeks, our team has been very innovative. They've created wonderful platforms, digital foyers even, that you could go and still talk with one another online, that you can still feel apart because we know that connection is very, very important in the kingdom of God. We know that, that this team has fought hard. They've scratched They've, they've done all that they can do to create something that you can still worship the Lord, hear teaching and preaching, and be refreshed in your spirit. Our team has done an outstanding job, and I want to say thank you, Brian Spessard. Thank you for all your leadership through this whole time. God bless you, because if you're watching online right now, without this team, without all the creativity, without all of the innovations, you would not be able to experience what you're experiencing right now. In fact, there's, there's, over these last nine weeks, we wanted to make a way that we could stay connected because we know this. We've had more questions than answers. We've had more wondering while we worshiped, more, more wondering if anybody was there. I've stood in this spot, and Pastor Chad and Pastor Aaron have stood right here declaring God's word, wondering, is there anybody out there? Is anybody paying attention? Does anyone care? This is how we felt over the last nine weeks. We've We've preached while praying, but these last nine weeks, we've learned some new things, and it's how to be physically and even socially distanced. It's kind of odd. We've learned some brand new terms and some new terminology. We've learned a new way to go to the store. We've learned all my life. I've been walking up and down aisles wrong. I didn't know that there was a one-way in and a one-way out. I had no idea. I've been a maverick my whole life, I guess. You know, all of this has taught us some really 
some different kind of things. We've had to learn a new way. It's a new day and also maybe a new way to live. I don't know. I just have more questions than I have answers, but I know who holds tomorrow. You see, we've learned how to even make masks out of socks. And I don't even know what to say about that. Hopefully, they're new socks. But if they're not, just keep it to yourself. I don't really want to know. But there's also a new game in town, and it's called mask shaming. Those that wear masks look down their nose. No, they look down their mask at those who don't wear a mask, and they wonder, why aren't you people wearing a mask? And then there's folks that don't wear masks, and they're looking at the folks who do wear masks, and then they're wondering, why in the world? Can we just give each other a little more love, a little more space, a little more grace? Can we make it not about what we think? Because I know what we think changes about every five minutes. Everything in the world, if you just stay watching the news, it all changes within a day or so. So in this moment, I know this. In John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, our love, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This first engagement question for those who are watching online is this. What is one way that you can love others better through this pandemic? Just put your, put your answer right there in the little comment section. Those that have been watching online, you know exactly what I'm saying. We have well more, more people watching online than we have in the room today. So I have three audiences. We also have the kids, some kids in the room today. And this is not a normal thing because we're not allowed to right now to be able to have children's church or to have a nursery. So I don't want to leave them out as well. So world changers in the room, uh, you got a little uh, packet, but when you came in, is there any world changers in here? That's what we call our little guys. Anybody in here, your world changer? There we go. We got some over here, some over here. All right, so you got a little, a little packet, a little activity packet, right? Now's the time to open that up, and I've got a question for you. Here, here's what y'all say in, in Kiss Church. And we honor God and people. How can we show the love of Jesus to our friends and others better? And there's a little cartoon character of me right in there, adults, and, and, and it's got all, the kind, all my notes that I'm going to be sharing with you. They've got little coloring pages and stuff like that to go along with the notes. So we've got online, we've got old people in the room like me, and then we have little kids. So it's awesome. We're all together. We're a family. You see, over the last three weeks, we've been talking about that there's purpose in the pause. We've been talking about creating a place, creating some space for God to live and dwell. We've been talking about creating this space that God can live, but we've also said that this time of our history has changed everything. Pastor Chad did a great job last week of showing us there was a, there was a pie chart, and uh, there was this uh, pie chart that he showed that it, we can either give Jesus, give God just a portion of our life, and he can just be this part of our life, kind of like this pie chart, and kids, right now there's a pie on your little, uh, your little activity chart. You can write in what kind of pie you like, and you can color that in. But on this pie chart, what we're doing is we see on there that if God is only a portion of our life, if he's just a slice, if he's just that leftover piece, and nobody likes leftovers, but has he become the verse of the day? Has he become just that three-minute Jesus calling devotional? Has he just become just another part of your day if you have time left for it because what we've done is we've swapped busyness for fruitfulness 
We've swapped busyness for our trust in God. We've swapped busyness for our purpose and for meaning in life. And a lot of people, they think, just because I'm so busy, I must be important. You see, what we've done is we've, we've traded our love for God and our trust for our tomorrow, for our busyness, and for the things that we view as important. Then there was a second uh, chart that Chad showed us last week, and Pastor Chad, you did an awesome job. And let me tell you, that chart shows Jesus to be in the center of our life, not just a portion of our life, not just this slice of the pie with the leftovers, but that he being the center of our life, that because he's the center now, he changes who we are, and that changes how we do things, because what we do now is we say, God, you're in charge, and so now you're going to be a part of my decision-making process. Because you're not just a part, you are the center. You are my priority. You are number one. You control everything that comes out of who I am is because of who he is in us. Here's my second engagement question for those watching online. What is one area of your life where Jesus has made an impact upon your decision-making process? You can put that in right there at the the below. Because Jesus is not just a part of your life, he's all of your life. What's one area that now he's impacted a decision that you made because you put him first? You've made him priority. I can tell you this. God's word brings direction It brings clarity. It brings light upon our path. It shows us which way we should go. When we have felt like, and I know I have and probably you too, we felt like we have been uh, uh, fumbling around in the dark over the last nine weeks, not knowing and not being able to see where the path is because the path seems to be changing ever so quickly. Here's what God's Word does. It brings us direction in the darkness. Uncertainty is the best word that I can come up with for 2020. You see, uncertainty brings, is, is unsettling. If there's anything I've learned through all of this, that Jesus better be the focus. He better be the center. He better be the very center of what I, and who I am because I'm not in control, and neither are you. You see, we want to be in control. And people that want to be in control, what we do is we make him just a part of our life. Rather than recognizing that if he's not the, 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 the center of our life and he's not helping us move forward and making the decision-making processes in our life come to life, then what we've done is we've said we want to be in control. In control. We don't trust you, God. Uncertainty is all around us. The bottom line is this. You're not control of, in control of your future. God is in control of our future, and that bothers us. You see, we all want to work to provide for our families. We all want to be able to have the strength to do what we do. Some of that, some of you today, possibly online and in the room, you've lost the ability even. Maybe you've been furloughed and you can't take care of your family right now. And now you really have some unsettlement going on in your life. Let me remind you this of this. You've never been in control. You might think you've been in control, but you never have been. And when you're not in control, it brings humility. It brings doubt. It can bring confusion. And it can make you wonder. And this is where we find ourselves in our nation and, quite honestly, this world at this very moment. Life has a way of taking us into seasons where we have more questions than we have answers. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter how many degrees you have on the wall. It doesn't matter how, how much that money that you've got in the bank. I'm telling you, right now, there's, everybody has more questions than they have answers. Life has a way of taking you into seasons, what I call the desert. 
or wilderness experiences. This is really, this is where we find ourselves a lot right now. In the desert, Jesus better be at the center of your life. In the desert, God better be number one because he's the one in control. The bottom line is this, the desert is God's classroom that teaches us how to trust for our future. This is where we are right now. We find ourselves in this moment. This is where we are, and also the first five books of this book right here. The first five books, most of the chapters deal with a people who are probably feeling like us. They're in a circumstance they've never been in. For generations, they were in slavery and they were in bondage. But right now, they're free, but they're still in the desert. They can't provide for themselves, and God had to be number one. He sent them there so he could find out what was in their heart. That brings us to our text for this day. It's all about trust, and it's all about trusting God for their today, for their next 10 minutes, and for their tomorrow and their future. Does it sound familiar to us? This is where we find ourselves, just like the people in the desert. The Hebrews in the desert, this is where they were. If you will turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 8, I'm going to read a few passages. It's a lengthy passage today. Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 3, and then 6 through 14. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today, so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on the oath to your fathers, to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years? He, why did he do that? To humble and to test you in order to, in order to know what was in your heart. Whether or not you would keep his commands, he humbled you, causing you to hunger. And then he turned around and he fed you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known. Why did he do that? To teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but upon every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Skip down to verse 6. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks and streams and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and the hills, a land with wheat and barley and plenty of pancakes, kids, and vines and fig trees and pomegranates and olive oil and Sugar pops and honey in a land where the bread will not be scarce and you'll always find toilet paper at the grocery store. You will never, ever, ever be in lack. I hope that you'll give me a little more space, a little more grace since kids are in the room today. Because when you read more than four or five scriptures, they get lost. What is he trying to say? We're not going to forget God when we get into the good land. We can't forget him. Children, we can't forget him, adults. We can't forget him, online audience. We've got to remember that when we come into the good land, we've got to remember him. This is what he says. When, when you have eaten, this is verse 10, when you've eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord. When your belly's full, praise the Lord. For your God, the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God failing to observe all of his commands, his laws, his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied with the pancakes, when you build the fine homes, when you settle down, when your job opens back up and your 401k is back to where it was, now when the herds and the flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase 
and everything's multiplied, then your heart will become proud because you'll think that you provided for yourself. I'm paraphrasing just a bit. This is what the Word of God is telling us. Don't forget and become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Don't forget who's in control. Don't forget that if it wasn't for God, you'd still be in slavery. Don't forget that you are not the one that provided the manna. Don't forget it comes from Him. Don't say that you're my God in the desert, in the desert and then forget me in the good land. Don't say that you trust me when you're hungry and then you forget me when things are back to normal and longhorns back open. Don't, don't say that, that I'm your God when... You don't make me your priority, says the Lord. Priority. If this pandemic has done anything, it's taught me, it's probably taught you, that we better be trusting in God for our future because we can't provide for our own future. You better not be looking to the government to provide for your future. You better be looking to God because He is the only one that cannot fail and He is the one that holds our tomorrows. This word priority, it means most important. You can't have two priorities. In fact, Americans love to create contradictions with words. Priority, it's the first thing, the only thing. It's the priority. You can't have priorities, plural. It's a singular word. That word did not exist until after 1940 in America. Americans created a contradiction. If you looked in a Webster's Dictionary before 1940, you would not see the plural form of priority. You would never see priorities because it wasn't a part of our vocabulary. You see, the plural form means that you can have more than one priority, and you cannot. That's why God must be number one. He must be your priority. He can't be shared. He can't be a part of the pie. He can't be just another piece of the puzzle. He is number one or he's nothing in our lives. I'll prove this to you. I never thought about that until I was doing this, this sermon prep for this message. Many years ago, several years ago, I, I, I was traveling with, with Harvest Time Missions and I was going and checking on many, many places in the world that we had sowed, this church has sowed over $11 million into missions during the lifetime of this church. And over the last few years, what I was doing when we were kind of doing a reset, trying to figure out where we were going to work, we were trying to create the places that we was going to, to invest the most, and I was trying to find places in the world that wanted us for our relationship, not just for our resources. So I thought it was a good idea to go and check on the places we've literally built churches around the world. We've had Ed Hueys here today, and we put some red iron in a place there in Bulgaria, and we helped put the undergirdment there for a big, great church right there. I've stood in that pulpit, and I've got to preach there and play the horn, and it was awesome. But at the end of that year, I was exhausted. I had, I had racked up a lot of airline miles. I will tell you this. All year long, Delta said I was priority. 
All year long, I was getting things in the mail saying, oh, your status has increased. Oh, you're our priority. And at the end of that year, I was exhausted. I was coming back from Peru. I was sitting in the Lima airport. I was about an hour and a half, two hours ahead of time. I'm sitting at the gate, and I'm exhausted because it's midnight, and every flight out of Lima leaves for the red eye. So you don't leave to midnight, 1 o'clock, every single time. I was exhausted. I'd been in the jungle for three weeks, and Delta told me I was priority. And so I was not going to fall asleep at the gate and miss my plane. What I was going to do is want to be one of the first ones to put my backpack in that overhead. And I had my big pillow, and I was ready. I had a window seat, and I was ready to curl up a little bit and get me some of that good sleep. I wanted to be the first one on that plane because Delta said I was priority. I had a seven-hour flight, and I was exhausted, and the only thing I cared about was being one of the first ones on. So this is what they did. About 30, 40 minutes before they started boarding, this is what they said. Yeah, now, if you're, um, if you're Delta One, you may now board. I looked at my ticket, and I'm not Delta One. They said, now, if you're Diamond Medallion member, you may board now. I'm definitely not Diamond Medallion, but you told me I was priority. They said, all of our first class uh, customers may now board. Well, I thought I was first class, but obviously I'm second class here. Delta Premium Select, you may now board. Half the plane had gotten on the aircraft before me, and I was starting to get a little bit antsy a little bit upset. I was tired. I was ready to get on board. Delta Premium Select, you may now board. Then they say Delta Comfort Plus, you may now board. Then they said Sky Priority Platinum, you may now board. Sky Priority Gold Medallion members, you may now board. I was not any of those things. I realized that I was not priority to Delta. Delta told me I was priority, but they didn't prove it to me that I was priority. They said, because you spent all this money with us, Mr. Freeman, oh, man of God, you're priority to us. No, I wasn't. You can't have more than one priority. Half of the, air, half of the aircraft was boarded before I could get my pillow and get my backpack and curl up and go to sleep. This is what I know. We do that to God all the time. What we do is the thing that matters most must never be at the mercy of the things that matter least. How many times have we said, God, you're my priority, but we didn't show it to him? My good friend John Moore, senior, he says, I hear what you say, I believe what you do. I've heard him say that for years. I hear what you say, Delta. I believe what you do. How many times have we done that? God, the thing that matters the most, our creator, our loving savior, the who should matter most in our life? But everything else causes that time with Him to suffer. The thing that matters most must never be at the mercy of the things that matter least. Matthew 6.33 But seek first. But seek first. The, his kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Could it be that we're worried about tomorrow? Could it be that we're worried about our future? Could it be that we're worried about all of those things because we have not put God first in our life? We want to be in control. We want to be the one at the steering wheel. We want to be the one deciding how fast we go. We want to be the one in control I got news for you you're not in control 
He's in control. And we've got to put him there in our life so that we will trust him for the manna that he's going to give us for this day, our daily bread. Jesus says, make me a priority. Jesus says, put me first. Jesus says, trust me. You will have what you need for tomorrow, for next week, and next year. Don't try to figure it out. Don't try to pull it back to yourself. He says, put me first. Jesus is saying, if you'll trust me, I'll take care of your future. Has this changed everything? Absolutely. I don't know if we'll ever go back to what normal was. I don't know, and nobody does. Uncertainty is unsettling. God is saying, if you make me a priority, all of your needs will be met. If you make me the priority, because you can't have more than one priority. God says, if you make me the center, you won't have to worry about your tomorrow or your future. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this place today. You say, Pastor Darren, you've spoken a word to me. I think you brought this word just for me. Because even with everything else taken out of my life, I have still found a way to clutter my life with a lot of other things. Sports is gone. Concerts is gone. All of these things are gone. But I'm going to ask you, have you replaced your priority with God? Is He number one in your life? If He's not, I'm talking to you. I want to ask you a question with every head bowed, every eye closed. Online audience, I want you to pay attention just for a moment because this is important. Have you put Him first? Or is He just part of your life? Is He just that slice of the pie? If you say, Pastor Darren, I want to put Him first like I've never done before. If that's you in the online audience, just let me see your hand. You could put a little emoji right there and I want to pray for you. If you're in this room, can I see your hand right now? Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Many hands across this room. Many hands across this room and online. God bless you. I want to pray for you. Let's bow in prayer together. Father God, for every person that can hear my voice right now, I pray, Father, that we would learn to trust you, that we would not try to take back control of our life because we can't control it. I ask you, Father, that we would learn to trust you in the desert, that we would be like your children, Lord, that we would, that we would just trust you, that you're a good God, that you will take care of the manna for this very moment and the quail for tonight. I thank you, Father, that tomorrow is taken care of as well as we learn to trust you. Because in the good land, Lord, we don't want to forget that you are still in control. I thank you, Father, for your presence in this place. I thank you for every person that can hear me, every person that has experienced your presence today, live and in the room or online. We praise you, Father, for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Thanks again for listening today. You can learn more about our church at harvesttime.net or by following us on Instagram. To stay up to date with more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe. We'll see you next time.